Hello, everybody, and welcome to SR157 Q&A. These are our questions from our patrons. So if you want to ask a question next week, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash surveillancepod. Without further ado, we're going to get into a question about 2FA options for banks and why they kind of suck at it, some of our favorite animes and mangas, uh, how we can keep devices secure when we're traveling, and how to get around ordering goods online without giving out personal information. So let's go into David's question, which is, why do you think so few banks offer 2FA options beyond SMS and phone calls? The list of services by category at 2FA directory, which is a site where you can look up that kind of 2FA that different websites provide, show that an extremely low number of banks, especially major ones, offer software TOTP, much less a hardware key is an option for 2FA. In contrast, uh, different services to, like that are just regular services tend to offer TOTP and hardware 2FA. Um, it is conceivable that it is because more if an upper management and game development companies are tech savvy, but banks would seem to stand to benefit possibly more than any other category of services. Um, a couple things. Uh, I'm sure Nate has more to add here. Um, I, I guess just random thoughts. One, banks uh, tend to, a lot of them that aren't online banks strictly are still running on a lot of legacy technology. And so I think a lot of them might be a little bit slower to adopt the most modern um, implementations of what we consider to be the best security. With that said, I do think from what I've seen behind the scenes, banks do tend to implement pretty good security, just not for the end user. And I think a big reason for that is if a bank gets hacked and they lose your money, um, that, that it's it's insured. <laughs> There's really no consequence to that. Um, so I, I think that's those are my thoughts as to why it's not as big of an issue. Um, my bank does offer TOTP, and I can request a hardware key from them as well as my bank that I use for Techler, the business bank, they don't do TOTP, but I am able to get a hardware key from them as well. So um, sometimes you have to ask them for that, but those are all my thoughts. I don't know if Nate has anything there. Um, I'm mostly on the same page as you, so I, I will try to send you a link to put in the show notes, but in May of this year, I wrote a blog post called Revisiting Financial Privacy, and if you just go to the newoil.org, um, on on the last page where it links to the blog, I have a table of contents. You can just control F and look for that title. Um, it's a long post, but I, I explicitly addressed this because we got this question a lot. And like I said, it's long. I spend the first part talking about like our banks even like should you use a bank? And then about halfway down, I do talk about banking regulations I'm not gonna read the whole thing but like i point out I'm, i i say the big thing here is that banking regulations are expansive like really really complicated and expansive in the u.s banking regulations are so complicated that it actually warrants having a full-time lawyer on staff just to figure out what the actual f is going on and what rules you need to be following in compliance so um but what i go on to point out is like like henry said towards the end there is like banks do a lot of stuff on the back end and it would be nice to see them do more stuff on the front end for sure but I mean, they do a lot of things like um, like rate limiting logins that a lot of other companies don't do, and uh, they just do a much better job of handling the back end. And I know it's kind of anecdotal evidence, but I pointed out in that same blog post, I said um, I've been talking about uh, in all the years I've been talking about data breaches, I can probably count all the bank breaches on one hand. That's not to say they never happen; they absolutely do, but they pale in comparison frequency wise to companies like T-Mobile, who's had at least five major data breaches in four years, with allegations of hundreds of compromises per year, or Amazon's AWS web hosting service, who is responsible for so many exposed databases that I successfully turned it into a drinking game among among listeners. So, right, and and yeah. to make this even more damning, just to add on to this. What do you think an attacker would rather try to hack? A bank account with money in it? Right. Or a T-Mobile account to get someone's SIM card? 
to exactly. maybe get money. Like, like, like the to like fact maybe that get so some crypto. Fewer... Right, right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, like banks are very valuable targets, and yet they have relatively few breaches. So like, I'm with you. It would be nice because realistically, for the vast majority of people, the only thing standing between them and a compromise is their crappy password that they've reused on 20 different websites. But on the back end, banks actually do a pretty good job. I think you made a really good point about legacy systems. I've never thought about that one before. But um, and I again, I just want to stress, I do agree with you. I'm not trying to say like oh, everything's fine; it's no big deal. But it is worth keeping that in mind. Like it, it doesn't look that secure from our perspective. But I think on the back end, it's like actually, this is probably a lot better than we realize. All right, our next question comes from Mr. Camel. Always getting his money's worth. What are y'all's favorite animes slash mangas? A JRPG could count as well. I'd say it's close enough with how story-heavy most of them are. Um, I've been out of the anime and manga loop for quite a while. Full Metal Alchemist was my favorite. I know we've talked about this before. Um, still haven't seen Brotherhood. Still need to. Uh, I really dug the manga for Bleach for a long time. I don't remember why I stopped reading. I think the... Um, I think the writer took a break and I just kind of fell off and never came back. But the manga for Bleach was really good. I think the only JRPG I really got super into was Final Fantasy, and I don't even know if that really counts as a JRPG, but uh, I think that's all I got. I'm kind of basic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not arguing. Hey, you want to talk about sci-fi? I got you. <laughs> On my end, I, I actually... On Crypty, I have, like, a whole... Like, I keep track of everything I watch in a spreadsheet on Crypty. Um, and I rate everything so I can... It, it's actually really nice. People go, oh, like, what's your favorite movie you've seen the last year? Like, for some reason, that question's been coming up the last couple weeks a lot. And I go, hey, I'm ready. And I pull out my spreadsheet on Crypty. They're like, oh, this looks really nice. And I go, yeah, my, I, I know the person who made this. And we're, like, we're, we're buddy buddies. <laughs> but It's me! Um... <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but the, the animes uh, on my list, um, I only have two that I scored a 9 out of 10, uh, and it was Code Geass and Death Parade. I think Death Parade does beat it out for me. Uh, I think that's my favorite anime. And then uh, I just finished Attack on Titan, which just wrapped up recently, and uh, I gave that an 8.5 out of 10 overall. A really good anime. And I also gave 8.5 to Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo. Which are classics. Oh my god, um, Samurai Champloo is so good. Yeah, that was a good one. I love uh, that one. That I one's just great. finished that like a couple months ago too. That's Dude, so good. Yeah. And um, it aged super well. I mean, I, I like to start, if I start a new genre, like animes, I'm somewhat new to them of the last like year or two. Um, and so I started right with all the classics. So all the stuff I'm watching are the classic animes, and I haven't seen many new ones with the exception of Attack on Titan. Um, I don't know, but I have a lot of other good things. I watched, I don't know if you ever saw Helsing. Yeah, I saw Helsing. Helsing's good. Hel yeah, Helsing's fun. There's Helsing and Helsing Ultimate, and like I Full don't Metal think Alchemist, I've seen that one. I liked the original better. See, I also liked, this is, this is like, objectively not a fantastic anime, but as a runner, I loved Run with the Wind, because <laughs> it's just about running. Like, whoever made it, like, definitely runs a lot, and they know what the hell they're talking about, because the way they visualize running, oh my gosh, I talk about this with my friends so much, but, like, they have the main runner, and he's just going, and it, they the way, the imagery for it is just beautiful, because he's just kind of in space. So it just turns into stars, and he's just running 
like nowhere but everywhere at the same time and there's just no thoughts and all you hear is just breathing and it is literally what racing is like like as a runner when i'm racing it's like you're just on another planet and it's just such a beautiful experience and i've never actually been able to watch or experience something that emulated that that wasn't just me running oh perfect blue is a good movie that one scares the hell out of me Susie's trying to get me to watch that watch it it's good you'll like that because you're a weirdo (laughs) (laughs) i'll take that i'll wear that as a badge of honor no yeah it's it's like right up your alley with like true crime uh psychological thriller stuff i think you'll like perfect blue no i'm definitely it's it's one of those movies that after you're done you're like oh my god what the hell just happened and then we watch it a second time and you go okay i think i know what happened but there's still it's everything's open to interpretation and so it's it's a good one okay yeah definitely interested uh, you know, real quick, I was I was looking. I'm like, dude, I used to be a gamer. Like, I know I have to have played more JRPGs. So I went looking for a list of, like, best JRPGs. And Persona 5, I didn't personally play, but I dated a girl who played it a lot, and it looked really good. Um, everybody's played Final Fantasy 7. Uh, Final Fantasy 10 was actually one of the, f- the first Final Fantasy I played. 12 is one of my favorite games, so I don't know if that counts. But um, there's, like, another couple on here. Technically, Pokemon's on there. So I guess technically that counts. I know that's not really what people think. Um, Kingdom Hearts is listed on here. And if that counts, like Kingdom Hearts actually like really shaped my, my like tastes in stuff for a long time. So same. I really yeah. like Kingdom Hearts. Oh, so good. Um, did you have a favorite game? Like out of those? I mean, yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy 12 is one of my favorites, but it's more for the combat system no, like, than anything else. Oh, fav- Kingdom, uh, Hearts. Fa- Kingdom Hearts. Um, was it two is the one where you start off playing as Roxas? Yeah. I cool. loved two. I'll be honest. I don't think I made it past two. I think I played one, two. Not missing much. Chain of Memories. I think that might be it, to be honest. You're not missing much outside of maybe <laughs> Birth by Sleep. Like, I would play Birth by Sleep. It's it's really good. Okay. Um, but outside that, like, they have Dream Drop Distance, which is, like, all right. And frankly, I thought Kingdom Hearts 3 was also kind of just... I'd really crazy. like to get back Kingdom into Hearts. it. They're so good. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2 is, I think, peak Kingdom Hearts, <clears throat> though. It's so good. Good game. Good game. We'll move on to our next question from Popeye's Red Bean and Rice Enjoyer, who says, How can I keep my devices secure and information private when I travel to China? I'd like to keep in touch with my relatives, but I've heard Signal, WhatsApp, Session, etc. are outright blocked. Is there a reliable way to circumvent these blocks? So there's kind of two questions here. Um, And I'm not an expert. I want to caveat that. Um, If your life is in danger, I would not come to me. I'm just going to throw that out there. So keeping your devices and information secure, um, if I really had a high threat model and I was genuinely worried they were going to take my phone away, I know we've talked about this before. What I would do, I would make a backup. I'd put it in the cloud. I'd a cloud you trust. I would memorize the passphrase. And then when I get where I'm going, I would just go ahead and download it and restore it. Um, That's what I would do. As far as keeping in touch with your relatives... I have not heard that allegation, but it does not sound remotely unbelievable. Um, I would say try it because like Signal runs proxies. Uh, Session, their whole selling point is that they're censorship resistant. Uh, I don't know much about SimpleX, but like I'd, I would say just to try it and see what happens. You could try like Orbot as, as like a way to connect to the Tor network and get around cer- censorship. Um, I would say worst case scenario, I would plan for the possibility that you just can't use encrypted messaging while you're there and you'll just have to let friends and family know, like, 
either A, we can't have any sensitive discussions while I'm visiting, or B, uh, I just won't be able to talk to you while I'm there, and I'll just show you pictures when I get back. I'd really like to know, if if you are going to China, please let us know how this goes, because I would actually be really interested in knowing. Right. I mean, Signal has built-in features as Proton to supposedly bypass. Right, which is why I'm saying I would try it anyways. Right. But. Right. Um, I, what I tell people is it depends uh, how serious it is. Um, I would just assume that your device is going to be searched when you travel to another country. So if you have an issue with that, uh, just don't have anything on there that is not something you want to be found. Um, and otherwise, just factory reset your devices or just get a burner phone to take for just that trip. Um, it's kind of just an unfortunate part of traveling. I would say for most people, it's probably not terrible. If, even if you have your old phone, it's one of the selling points to just keeping your old phone around. Uh, That way you can use it as just kind of a burner throwaway device. Maybe you install Signal and a few messaging apps on it with nothing on there. You don't even create your accounts yet. And then once you're there, you create them and then you you might save like the numbers for just a few of your core contacts and message them once you're there. Just think outside the box. It's going to be different for everybody depending on what you need. Question from the dressing gown is how to order things online without giving up personal information, especially in the country like theirs, which is the UK, where things like privacy.com and other aliasing services don't exist. Um, there's a second question, but we'll start with that. Um, uh, so first off, this is one of the few areas, I don't know how we got so lucky, but in the US, we have so many great options uh, because you can alias everything here. You can have a private mailbox that you don't have to ship things under your name to. Uh, You can use privacy.com to purchase things under a fake name. You can set up simple login to receive emails, and you can use MySudo to receive texts. And I just revealed to you exactly how I order things online for people in the U.S., Um, and without giving up any real personal information. Aside from that, uh, if you're outside of the U.S., then you're just going to have to do the best you can. So you can still use simple login. If you're able to get a VoIP number or something like that, I don't know what that situation is like in the U.K., but do your best. Um, And in regards to shipping things, you're just going to have to do your best in that given situation. There's not much uh, of a secret we have here that's going to be legal, legally sound advice that we can offer you. Um, At the end of the day... Uh, just see what you can do. And, um, yeah, I actually don't have much more to add to this one. Um, I don't know if you do, but it is just kind of a tough situation. You can obviously avoid buying things online and getting things in person. Um, and the other thing I would say is, uh, think about where you're ordering things from, right? Uh, I think there's an argument to be made between, uh, ordering and submitting your information to 20 different websites versus maybe just coughing up an Amazon account. So that way, at least it's centralized within Amazon. Um, I would be thinking about that. It really depends on the trade-off. Personally, I'd rather be giving up my personal information to just Amazon in a situation like this. And that way, only one company has my information uh, versus me having to give up real information to 20 plus websites. And if a single one suffers a data breach, then I'm screwed. I guess my thing is uh, kind of going back to threat modeling, like always, is what are you worried about happening with this data? Because you say that uh, it feels like this limitation undermines the privacy of pseudos somewhat when companies and data brokers can just link the pseudos back to me anyways. How how seriously are we talking here? Because, for example, um, I, I live in an apartment, and I've been known if I'm in between apartments, but I, I have to order something like a desk. Uh, that happened the last time we moved. I sent it to my job because I, I know – and I you know I tell the warehouse guy, I'm like, hey, I'm getting something sent here because we're in, in between moving and I don't know when it's going to get here and I don't want to get to get sent to a place we're not at yet. Um, 
and that's never been an issue. So like, and I mean, obviously I think they'd be mad if you're like constantly getting your mail there, but I'm sure they have something like PO boxes in the UK. I'm hoping, uh, I don't know how hard they are to get, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, could it be tied back to you? Yes. But what's your threat model? Like, are you trying to order, uh, you know, a DVD box set that you just don't want tied to anybody? Like that seems a little extreme. But are you trying to defend against, for example, data breaches? I don't care if my P.O. box gets caught in a data breach. You can send pizzas there all day long. You're not going to be harassing me. And it's, you know, same thing with, like, where I work. I Obviously, I don't want to make that public. But, you know, if that gets caught in a data breach, you can go ahead and try to harass the office because I'm sure the cops will respond to a business faster than they'll respond to my home address. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, what are you trying to protect against? And for me, it's about giving that layer of anonymity. That, that would be my first question is when you're talking about this kind of compartmentalization, which I think is good, what are you trying to protect against? And then from there, try to figure out how can you get around it? Like payment details. Can you use a gift card? Um, you know, names. Can you, do you have to put your full name? You know, can you put initials, for example, or just a last name or something like that? So um, yeah, like Henry said, you might have to kind of, well, I see that he said this about the last question, but you might have to kind of think outside the box a little bit, I think on that one. Oh yeah. Oh, and, uh, part two of the question is really quick. Uh, they pretty much want a, a way and a guide to set up a uh, cryptocurrency privately and they wanted a video guide. Um, we've done a couple on TechLore now, so that's something I can easily just refer you to on the TechLore side of things. I'll leave links below. And I actually got help from it with, uh, Seth for privacy who, like exclusively works with this stuff. Everything was Seth approved. We we had him involved in the script making. He sent over modifications and things that he thought should have been worded better. I sent him test videos before we published it. So everything was Seth approved. So yeah, um, sweet. I think that's, yeah, I'll leave a link to that video down below because we spent a lot of time to make sure we got that right. And then our last question comes from Config, who is a new patron who says, I wanted to ask a question. Config says, it seems offshore banking in relation to privacy is a thing. I wanted to know your guys' take on this topic because I don't see it being talked about much, yet it's an interesting topic to say the least. Um, so I'm going to go out on a... a, a Okay, so here's the parts I can say with confidence. Um, number one, I don't think most people have to worry about offshore banking because I think for most people, it's going to be more trouble than it's worth. That said, I also am a firm believer in diversification, not even from a privacy perspective, but just from a, uh, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen, like a disaster prep perspective. So I'm a big fan of diversification. From a privacy perspective, uh, now this is where I'm going to kind of speculate a little bit. I think offshore bank accounts are more used for like, money laundering uh, it, not always for the record that's like saying encryption is always used to deal drugs and stuff but generally speaking the reason people have offshore bank accounts is to evade taxes like yes it's 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 a privacy thing but they're mainly doing it because they're like oh i just made 500 million dollars from insider trading if i go stash this in a jamaican bank account the irs is never going to find it and so i mean obviously things that can be used in that way can also be used for privacy purposes, like non-illegal, like perfectly legitimate privacy purposes. But again, in my experience, it's more like 
it's going to be so much trouble. Like, unless you're getting $500 million, like, oh, my grandpa passed away. And well, even that's a bad example because now you're using it to evade taxes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, unless you're dealing with massive sums of money, I just can't imagine that it's going to be worth it. But for the record, I'm also coming from an American perspective. I don't know if in Europe it's easy to just like pop across the border for lunch and open a bank account while you're there. Um, I don't know anything about that. But from my perspective, I think for most people in the amount of money you have, it's just not going to be worth the amount of effort. I don't know if you have any other opinions. I have exactly zero thoughts on this. <laughs> I know nothing about it. Nothing. I mean, I know a Actually, little bit, but it's very, very surface level. Like, that's pretty much everything yeah. I know is what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I know absolutely zero about this. So, terrible person to ask. I need to look more into it. Well, uh, sorry, Config, for your first question. Perhaps not having the best people to answer it, but we are trying our best. Um, and we want to thank all our other questions on the Q&A this week for SR157. If you want to ask us a question, um, maybe not about offshore banking, uh, we can probably <laughs> help you by next week. Uh, so, um, leave it down below at patreon.com slash surveillance pod. We really appreciate it. And if you don't want to join Patreon, but you still want to support the podcast and you like what we do, check us out on LibraPay and Monero, uh, all down in the description. I want to thank you again for your time and listening to this and we'll see you next time.